Good morning, afternoon, evening. I hope you're doing well, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. It's Lux of the Royal Deluxe Podcast. New and improved Lux. This is my XLR debut. I've entered a new age. Gone are the days of the simple USB Blue Yeti that I've been using for over five years. Even though this podcast has only been going on for 11 months. But I've been doing stuff for over five years. I'm going to talk about it. Maybe I should chill with stuff I've been doing. That's ah, anime. But anyway, this is just one of the many improvements that I plan on making for the 2023 season. I hope you'll stick around and I hope you're excited. And I hope you're excited for some Royals baseball. Because guess what, everybody? You're not going to believe this. Your minds are going to be blown when I say this. Royals baseball is back. Officially. Completely. Spring training has begun, and this is going to be even more mind-boggling. The Royals have not lost a game. Oh my god! Oh! Hey! That's crazy, man. So we're going to talk about that. Um, but first, I want to grade the Royals offseason. Like, how did we get here? How did we get to this point at February 27th, 2023, with the roster that we're putting out in spring trading? How did this offseason go? I want to look at the list of transactions that were made. I mean, not everyone, because there were some, like, minor signings. And uh, watch it. I wrote down all the signings that we made, as well as all the trades that we made. So... I'll look at those, and I'm going to I'm going to assign a grade to JJ Piccolo, our general manager, who kind of orchestrated this offseason. How did it go? How did the Royals do this offseason? And then, uh, yeah, then we'll just talk about spring training, the the very very early impressions that I've gotten from spring training. Now, small disclaimer: I have not been able to watch any spring training games, and um, this could kind of be on me for maybe not putting in the extra effort to look around for games. Um, there was one that was going on, and I and I I tried listening to it online. I went on to I went to six ten sports online, but the online broadcast was doing something else. They were playing a college football game. And I'm like, this isn't the Royal Spring Training. I thought it was on 610 Sports. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an idiot. Um, I will maybe try a little more as time goes on. But this is MLB's fault for making their product so difficult to watch. Like, like really, you would think it would be easy to just watch a baseball game online in the internet age. But no. Life is often disappointing, fellows. So... Yeah, I haven't been able to sit down, watch every inning of every game, but, you know, I do read about things, I hear things, and I can see the game results for myself, I can see the stat lines. Now, I, again, stat lines don't really tell the full picture. We'll get into all this, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about the Royals offseason. Let's talk about what these guys did, because it started off really slow. Uh, I think there was a point in December or so where the Royals were the only team in all of MLB that did not make a single transaction <laughs> in um in the entire offseason. But maybe maybe the slow start was to be expected because before we could sign any players, there were lots of personnel decisions that had to be made. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. We already talked about um how I feel about the new pitching coaches. Um, we don't have new hitting coaches. It's just Alex Zumwalt and company. Um, although we did lose Mike Tosar because he's with the 
the White Sox now. Um, again, talked about that. Um, but also some stuff shifted around at the at the minor league level. Like, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name suddenly. But the guy who uh, was kind of the main minor league pitching development guy is actually working more at the major league level now. And there are there were lots of roles that got shifted around. Again, I don't really know the full details of this. This is stuff that you don't really hear that much about anyway. It's just behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, so I, I, I don't want to say it's like... It, it's not too important to iron out the details or anything. It's not too important to get the specifics right. Just basically, lots of stuff shifted around. So maybe with the fact that there were so many staff changes in this offseason, because also we had to get a new manager. That was another thing. We had to get a new, a new manager, a new bench coach, on top of all the other stuff I was talking about, yeah, J.J. Piccola was busy just figuring out who's going to run this team before he could figure out who's going to be on this team. Because after that was figured out, and again, we, we were complaining about how slow things were, but it got a little bit better. It got a little bit faster. So the Royals signed um, to major league deals. I say that, okay, that was confusing. They The Royals signed four players to Major League deals. That's what I meant to say. They are Jordan Lyles at two years, $17 million, uh, $17 million total, $8.5 million per year. He is a starting pitcher who um, has kind of been all over the place, frankly, um, but he most recently pitched in Baltimore. And then Zach Greinke, at a one-year, $8.5 million deal, he's coming back. And uh, there are also incentives to go with it. Um, I think I talked about this in the last podcast, but yeah, $8.5 million. But it can, top, it can top out at like $15 million if he pitches like 180 innings or so. And then reliever Eroldis Chapman at one-year, $3.75 million. He was the Yankees' closer for a few years. And uh, before that, was he was the Cubs' closer for one single year. In the year they won the World Series, and then he was the Reds' closer for a while. And uh, he's been, it's been said that he is going to be closing. Like, that was apparently the deal that was in place with, with, with him and the reason why he's making so little money, despite the fact that he's a, a fairly, he's like a name-brand closer. A lot of people know who this guy is. And then Ryan Yarbrough at one year, $3 million. So those are the four major league signings. And then there were some minor league deals. We have Ryan Goins, Royals legend, uh, Cody Petit, a reliever, a uh, uh, Cole Stewart, who is a starting pitcher, Brooks Krisky. I'm going to assume it's Krisky. It could just be Krisk, but there's an E at the end. That makes me think it could be Krisky. Anyway, uh, Br Brooks Krisk, a, a uh, reliever, uh, Jose Braseno, Braseno, a catcher, Matt Beattie, a first baseman and a corner outfielder, Mike Mayers, and uh, a, a, sorry, I'm mis, I'm misreading my own handwriting. Mike Mayers, a relief pitcher, Johan Camargo, infield utility guy, and Franmil Reyes, a mostly DH. And then there were a little bit of a trade as well. Ryan O'Hearn was DFA'd and then uh, traded to Baltimore for cash considerations, which basically just means that the Roy it basically just means the Orioles bought Ryan O'Hearn's contract. Like there wasn't really much of a trade. It just means that the Royals don't have to pay Ryan O'Hearn anymore. Whatever salary they were going to get. It was like a million and a half. Wyatt Mills. Um, I'm sure everyone remembers who Wyatt Mills 
uh, is. He, he was a reliever for us for a bit last year. He was traded to, I think it was Boston, and uh, we got two relievers by the name of Steven Cruz and Evan Sisk. Uh, yeah, and uh, I think both of them are close to Major League Ready, if not already Major League Ready, but I don't think they've actually played in the Major Leagues yet. And then they also traded Adalberto Mondesi for a reliever by the name of Josh Taylor, also to the Red Sox. Royals have been uh, really friendly with the Red Sox lately. I guess uh, the Red Sox, you know, they, they, they saw that Andrew Benintendi trade and they were like, man... <laughs> What a great trade for us. We traded Andrew Benintendi, who became an all-star for uh, Franchi Cordero. Great job, everybody. I don't know, man. Um, so, yeah, so those are all the moves uh, without discussing them, which I, I will get into. And overall, looking at these, looking at this list of transactions. Oh, also, wait a minute. There was Anthony Masiewicz, who was uh, also traded for cash. I think to the Cardinals or someone. It doesn't matter. No one, no one remembers him. <laughs> That was a little bit mean, sorry. Uh, but it's kind of true. Looking at everything the Royals did this offseason, with the management hires and the the new players that they signed, some new players that they signed, I'm going to go ahead and give this offseason overall a B plus. I'm going to give it a B plus. Wait a minute. Hang on, I misread something. Hang on, Wyatt Mills was not traded for two relievers. That was Michael A. Taylor. I'm sorry, Wyatt Mills was traded for a a double-A reliever by the name of Jacob Wallace. And he was traded to the Boston Red Sox. Michael A. Taylor was traded to the Twins for Stephen Cruz and Evan Sisk. I'm sorry. Wow, I'm really doing well today, aren't I? So, looking at everything the Royals did, yeah, I would grade this at a B+. That's what I would give the Royals for, for, that's what I would give, uh, that's what I would give J.J. Piccolo for this offseason overall. Because, honestly, he did everything that he was asked to do. Now, he didn't go above and beyond. He didn't exceed expectations. But if I, if I could think of a checklist that the Royals needed for this offseason, it would be higher pitching personnel from the Rays and or the Guardians. Same with management. Uh, hire a manager that comes from a... Well, hire someone to be your manager who comes from a winning organization. Same thing with the bench coach. And then sign... Personally, I would say bring back Zach Greinke. I think I said this many times on the podcast. I said bring back Zach Greinke and also bring back another starting pitcher. Get Zach Greinke on another one-year deal and then get in another starting pitcher. Now, I'll say this. I don't... Love Jordan Lyles. I, I really don't. You can look at the numbers, and they're not good. And I'm not really going to sugarcoat that, except for the fact that Jordan Lyles does fulfill a very specific need that this team has. What Jordan Lyles does, and I and I know you've probably heard this many times throughout this offseason. Let's all say it together. Jordan Lyles eats innings. That boy is going to eat because in the last two years, he has pitched 180 innings. Okay, last year he pitched 179 innings. So it doesn't matter. Year before, he pitched 180. Do you know when the last time a Kansas City Royals starting pitcher pitched 180 innings in a season? 
In fact, let's not even list that as the requirement. When was the last time a Royals pitcher had a qualifying season? Which is to say, they pitched one inning per games played. So generally, 162. Now, if I phrase it like that, it's a trick question because it's actually Brady Singer in 2020 who pitched 64 innings. That qualifies because there were only 60 games. So if you go, so if we want to go 162 innings, you have to go a year further back, where Jacob Junis threw 171, sorry, 175.1 innings in 2019, and then Brad Keller with 165. When was the last time a Royals pitcher pitched 180 innings? You have to go all the way back to 2017. Where the Royals had one guy who barely made that. Okay, Jason Vargas pitched 179.2. He was close. But Jason Hamill pitched 180.1 innings in 2017. That's the last time the Royals had a starter who threw that many innings. That's really not good. Because you just need your starting pitchers, to throw innings. That is their job. Fangraphs had a bit of a, uh, a kind of weirdly bleak article that was, in a way, complimenting Jordan Lyles, but not also, like, like they weren't sugarcoating his abilities. They were just basically pointing out the fact that he's been pitching for losing teams his entire career, and he's a guy who doesn't have a pretty ERA, he doesn't get strikeouts or anything, but he throws innings. That's his job. That's what he does. Because, as they kind of said, there's someone who has to throw those innings. Someone needs to get those outs so that everybody can go home for the day. Because baseball is not a timed sport. It's about getting outs. You have to get 27 outs, no matter how difficult it may be on some days. The game won't end otherwise. And that's where Jordan Lyles comes in. He's going to get us through some games. And you know what? Even though, again, I, I know his numbers don't look pretty. 4.42 ERA last year, 5.15 ERA the year before. But I think that this can trickle down and help the bullpen in the long run. Because if you get a guy who can actually go six innings per start, generally, then you're not going to overwork your bullpen so much. How many times last year did we look at Mike Matheny and go, oh my god, what is Matheny doing? Why is Scott Barlow pitching the seventh inning? You know, like how many games did we have last year where we just lost it in the eighth or the ninth because we used Dylan Coleman and Scott Barlow before that? I don't know the, I don't know the answer to that myself, but it feels like it was more than a few times. But in a way, you kind of can't blame Nathini because he wants to use his best relievers for close situations, even if that situation is in the sixth or the seventh inning, because you can't trust anyone else to pitch the sixth or the seventh inning. Might as well use these guys when they're going to be valuable instead of, you know, bringing in someone else like, uh, I don't know, Yoel Piamps, who who will blow up in the seventh inning. And then now, okay, well, we're down three. Let's just bring in Barlow and, and, and Coleman to do nothing, you know? Or maybe there were close games where we couldn't use Scott Barlow or Dylan Coleman. Why? Because they just weren't available. 
because we had used them way too much in the past few games. Last year, Dylan Coleman made 68 appearances and Scott Barlow made 69. Those are both in the top 10 for most appearances in the American League last year. In 2021, Jake Brents made 72 appearances. That was the 8th most in the entire league, in all of baseball, rather. The Royals used their relievers a freaking ton. And in 2020, Scott Barlow was number one in MLB for usage. He appeared in 32 games. Imagine that, a reliever pitching in more than half of your team's games. And, Scott, and, and uh, Greg Holland was also sixth for 28 appearances. Yeah, we've been using the absolute hell out of our relievers. And I mean, maybe that's why Greg Holland didn't hold up in 2022. Maybe that's why Jake Brents was injured really early into the season last year. Because he was used so much. Maybe now, having a starting pitcher who will go deeper into games will put a little bit of relief on those relievers, so to speak. And that's why I like the Jordan Lyle signing. No, I don't think he's going to be great, but I do think he's going to make just a little bit of a difference. Now, I will say I don't love the two-year deal on him. That is one thing that I am kind of scratching my head on. Because, I don't know, there's a very optimistic part of me that says, Maybe the Royals can compete in 2024. I don't think they're going to compete in 2023, but maybe 2024 could be a better year. And maybe then you'll have some of those, the, some of the young pitchers that we have now actually being able to make major league starts consistently. Maybe we'll have a competent rotation with some of Lynch and Bubich and Heasley and Kowar and etc. And then you won't need Jordan Lyles anymore, but then we're going to be paying him eight and a half million dollars anyway. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Royals can find another way to swindle a team, just like how they they swindled the Reds into taking Mike Miner. Don't know how that happened, but but Mike Miner is actually a fairly solid comparison because Mike Miner was brought in here to just pitch innings for the Royals. And hey, I know he wasn't very good, but he did pitch the most innings for the Royals in 2021. Yeah, that does signify something terrible with that rotation. But again, he did his job. And so I think I think Jordan Lyles will do the same thing. Now that said, the the Major League deals, the other ones... Well, okay, Zach Greinke, fine. Love it. I love Zach Greinke. Great. Don't even, don't even need to get into details about that. He's fine. I think I've already talked about it anyway. But then, Aroldis Chapman and Ryan Yarbrough. Now, in a way... I can't be too mad about the Chapman signing. I just personally never liked Chapman. I just want to be honest, get that out there. I've never found him to be all that great of a reliever. He's kind of he's kind of like a meme reliever to me. Where sure, he throws really really fast. He throws hard, but it just seems like he he gives up in the worst possible situations. He just gets lit up when you absolutely need him to get the save or whatever it is you're relying on him for i don't know and then there's a bit of personal drama that comes with him which we don't need to get into detail about that but it's just kind of one of those things where it's just like uh it's like it's, it's like it's, it's, it doesn't really matter who's right and who's wrong it's like i just don't want to deal with it man so i don't know 
Um, so I personally don't like Chapman, but at the same time, this is kind of the, the signing that we've been asking for every single season where we're always like, hey, why don't the Royals just get a, a, a reliever, like like a, a, an actually kind of competent reliever who's not completely terrible, who hasn't been completely terrible over the last couple of years, like the time when they signed Brad, Brad Boxberger and other guys to, you know, random deals. Like, why don't we get someone who is at least slightly competent on a fairly cheap deal? Our oldest Chapman. Less than $4 million. Whatever. I guess it's fine. And then Ryan Yarbrough at one year, $3 million. I have no strong opinions of this. Ryan Yarbrough has never been particularly good. And it's interesting because he's uh, here. He, he was with the Rays. Like, he was a Rays pitcher, so... You know, Matt Quattrero likes him. He knows him. But, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just don't really know. I, I have no strong feelings about this. I don't really know what he's going to do. Um, he's kind of a spot starter kind of guy. And uh, that's about it. Doesn't really have anything particularly impressive about him. Two walks through nine throughout his entire career, which is, eh, 7.3 strikeouts per nine. Yeah, hits a lot of batters though. Eleven hit by pitches last year. Hits by pitches. Hit, hit by pitches. Hits by pitches. That that's gotta be the way. Hits by pitches. Eleven. Yeah. After after only eighty innings, mind you. So uh, ew, I don't know. But Royals say he's competing for a rotation spot, which you know what? Fine. The more competition, the better, I think, because that should light a fire under the pitchers that we already have. Like, hey, you you need to actually work for your rotation spot this year because there's a lot of guys competing for them and not a lot of spots. But I talked about that in the last episode. And then there are the minor league deals that I talked about. Most of them I don't think are really worth glancing at. Like Ryan Goins, He's not making the team, guys. Don't worry about it. He's a he's a he's going to be there to to fill out a roster spot in the on the AAA team. He's utility infield depth for the Omaha Storm Chasers. No big deal about that. Um, Cody Petit and Cole Stewart and Brooks Kriske. I, I keep going back back and forth between Krisk and Kriske. Um, I li- I listed all of these guys as as quadruple A pitchers. Um, Petit and Kriske are relievers. Cole Stewart is a starter, but none of them have ever really been good throughout their entire career. So, again, I just kind of think they're Omaha Storm Chasers material. Maybe in an emergency, like if we really need someone for to fill in for an injury or whatever, then you'll see these guys come up, any of these guys. Um, but I wouldn't count on them you know, breaking camp with the team. And then Jose Bricinho, Bricinho, whatever. Um, he's a catcher. Uh, I think a 30-year-old catcher, basically another Omaha Storm Chaser. You might see him play in the majors if, if in, a, in an emergency, basically. Like if one or two of our catchers go down, which you know, hopefully that doesn't happen, obviously. But Salvi does tend to get injured, you know, for a good chunk of the season, usually. So, uh, yeah, what, who knows, but I don't really think you're going to see him um, at, at Kansas City. And if you do, it's probably not going to be for a, a long time. And then Matt Beattie, um, this is kind of like the Ryan O'Hearn replacement. He's a quadruple-A first baseman, corner outfielder kind of guy. Nothing 
really uh worth talking about. So yeah, maybe maybe again you might see him in an emergency, but I think if that's a uh, I think if he comes up, then uh, we're going to... Uh, we, we, we probably have some kind of issue. I also forgot to mention Matt Duffy. I don't know why I didn't write him down, um, but I have his baseball reference page open. Uh, Matt Duffy, he's another... He's like a potential utility guy in the infield. He plays all over the infield, and he just kind of slaps the ball around a little bit. Doesn't really have any pop, but maybe he could be, you know, someone. He could be a replacement guy at the major league level. I don't think that's too likely because we have lots of young guys who should be playing on this team. And uh, I would say it's more likely that Johan Camargo would fill in that role. Now, Johan Camargo, I'm actually a little bit more optimistic on because he's still just 29. So he's not super old. Matt Duffy is 32 this year. Um, and Camargo has been playing in the major leagues for a little while already. So he was on the Phillies last year. He only played 52 games. He was basically a, a bench player. But still, he, he kind of fills in that role of being, you know, he can kind of be put around anywhere in the infield. He can play shortstop. He can play third. He can, be, he can play second. He can even play first base. So that's fine. Um, so I don't think he's going to really block anybody if he does make the major league roster. And he could be someone like the... Um, what was that guy's name? The guy we had in 2021 who was basically this. He was just a utility guy. And he was kind of like the hype guy for the team. He was like the team. He was the clubhouse guy. I don't remember his name, but uh, I don't know if Camargo brings that kind of energy to the team. But yeah, Hanser Alberto. That's what I was thinking of. But maybe maybe Camargo could be that. And then there is Franmil Reyes, which already going by uh, what's happening at spring training could be a sneaky great signing for the Royals. This is one that I am a lot more optimistic on. Kind of for similar reasons to Camargo, he's still not super old. He's going to be 27 this season. In fact, this is only his second arbitration year. So if if he if he hits really really well, the Royals actually have him for an extra year. But you know he's been a, he's been a bit of a regular for the last several years, basically since he, ever since he came up. He played 118 games last year, 115 games in 2021, 59 in 2020, 150 in 2019. So this isn't even like Camargo or Duffy, where you know we're kind of bringing in maybe possible bench pieces. This is a guy who was a regular and just hasn't really had a, a great career lately. Um, last year, he hit 221 with a 273 on base. Yeah, that's not very good. But just the year before, in 2021, he hit 254 with 30 home runs. So there's upside to this. Like, the Royals are actually probably looking at this and, and saying, hey, this could be our Brandon Moss of the year. You know, this could be the guy who just comes out, maybe he, he, he rides the bench a little more than some other players, but he can just kind of be your DH. For the team and he'll just give you a home run i'm actually kind of liking this signing and so far he's done exactly that at, at spring training he's looking pretty good so far so look i don't want to say that this is going to be i don't want to say he's going to like compete for a home run title or anything like that he's not going to be super great even that season you know in, in 2021 when he hit 30 home runs he also struck out 149 times he strike out he strikes out like a third of the time and only walks like nine percent of the time, so he's not—he's not that great or anything. But I still think that the Royals could have gotten an, an actual like DH for this team. 
essentially for free. I, I like this so far, and I think that he is the most likely to uh, make the major league team uh, coming out of spring training. And then we've got those trades that uh, I mentioned briefly. Ryan O'Hearn is gone. <laughs> it's something that, uh, you know, when I talked about this uh, a couple months ago, it was probably in like December or so, when Ryan O'Hearn was tendered a major league contract, there was a thought that went into my head. And it made absolutely zero sense. Like, this was ridiculous, right? Like, it's something that's so stupid that I don't want to say it because I would feel stupid by saying it. But I was starting to think, maybe, the, the, maybe the Royals gave Ryan O'Hearn a guaranteed million and a half salary just to be nice. Just because they knew they weren't going to play him, but they're like, you know what? You're a nice guy. Take an extra million. And... Have a nice life. Like, they were going to give him that salary and then DFA him later on. Which, like, it's so stupid, right? Like, why would you give a player a guaranteed salary if you know that they're not going to play for you? But I, I don't know. Like, if there's anything that I've learned about the Royals, it's that the Royals are exactly the kind of team that would do this. Even if it's not Dayton Moore anymore. Anymore. Ha ha ha. Um... I don't know, though. Like, it, 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 it was just such a baffling thing when it happened that that was, like, one of the, the... Genuinely one of the justifications that I had for it. Like, oh, the Royals are kidding. Like, they're not actually going to play Ryan or Herman. They're just going to give him a guaranteed salary. Just give, him, just give him a little bit of money just to be nice. Just because they're, they're, they're good friends or something. I don't know, man. But that might have actually happened. I don't know. Because when they signed Jordan Lyles, they DFA'd Ryan O'Hearn. Like, that was a pretty quick easy decision for them so they didn't seem to take it all that seriously it's so weird man but whatever i wish ryan o'hearn all the best you know i've said this many times i hold no ill will towards players even if i don't think that they're playing all that well you can be a good person and a bad baseball player i don't want anybody to forget that um so ryan o'hearn you know for all the crap that royals fans have, been, have given him he's shown up and tried you know I appreciate that about him. I respect that about him. He, he He's commented on, you know, people being mean to him, but he hasn't been dramatic about it. He hasn't been firing back at fans. He hasn't, you know, gotten all butthurt, thrown a pissy fit about it. And I do have some friends on the Royals subreddit who are like, oh yeah, Ryan O'Hearn blocked me on Twitter because, <laughs> because I said something mean about him. And it's like, good for him. He should be allowed to just block out the, the noise, block out the haters. That's his, that's his God-given right. So, yeah, my hat's off to you, Ryan O'Hearn. I, I, I won't miss you, but I wish you all the best. All right, then we traded Wyatt Mills. Again, nothing really worth mentioning there. I guess it's cool that the Royals were able to get a piece for him. I don't, if you even want to call it a piece, it could be nothing, but Wyatt Mills didn't really have a future on this team anyway. Michael A. Taylor was traded for two relievers. Again, they're kind of close to Major League ready. Uh, Evan Sisk is 20, he'll, he'll be 26 in a couple of months, and uh, he's actually been throwing pretty well. Last year for uh, Minnesota's AAA and AA team combined, teams combined, uh, he threw for a 
1.75, well, sorry, 1.57 ERA in 63 innings, 50 appearances. So the Royals could have gotten someone, someone legit. He's also throwing, he's also striking out more than 10 guys uh, per game, uh, more 10.9 per uh, nine innings. That is what he did last year. I, I, you, you can tell I'm really great at professionally speaking, right? I'm a great public speaker, but yeah. So I'm actually kind of liking this. I think that the Royals actually got a guy for Michael A. Taylor, which is great. And then Steven Cruz is another reliever. He'll be 24 um, a little bit later into this season. And he, his numbers aren't great, but he's 24. There's time. Uh, last year, he threw uh, 56 innings to a 5.14 ERA. Um, though he also has... He, has a, he, he struck out 11.6 batters point n per nine innings. So... Yeah, 72 strikeouts in 56 innings. Maybe the Royals are seeing something in there. Maybe they're like, hey, we think that we can work with this. We do have a new pitching regime in the minor leagues, I guess. The Royals are doing different stuff in the minor leagues. So, yeah, I don't know. So this one may be less likely to hit, but I actually like Evan Sisk. I think that that was a, a really solid deal uh, for what they got out of him. For what they got out of Michael A. Taylor, you know, someone that we've been practically begging the Royals to trade. Um, I think that that's like, that's like the best case scenario. I do think that maybe we got a little bit starry-eyed with how Michael A. Taylor improved his bat just a little bit last year, kind of becoming a slightly below average batter as opposed to like a terrible batter. <laughs> um, you know, we were kind of saying, hey, Michael A. Taylor is like a three-war player suddenly. That's valuable, right? Eh, maybe not so much, but I think that, uh, I think it's fine. And then there's the Adalberto Mondesi trade so yeah that's the royal solution to the Montesi issue it's Montesi's final year uh before he hits free agency and the royals decide you know what not gonna do it we're not gonna deal with this we're gonna trade him to a team that wants him um boston lost trevor's story for a good part of the season maybe all of the season so and then, and then they uh, lost Xander Bogarts to free agency. Brilliant. Chain Bloom masterclass right there. Isn't it Kime Bloom? There's no way that that's that guy's real name. Kime Bloom? What? What? Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, the Royals traded Mondesi to uh, Boston to fix their uh, injury issue, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck to them. Again, no ill will towards Modesty. I actually feel bad for Modesty. I think the, the Royals handled him terribly. I mentioned this. I talked about this like a year ago, so I don't think I need to get into it again. But I, I think that Modesty is maybe like the biggest failure of the Dayton Moore era. Because Dayton Moore said that this was going to be like a superstar player. And that didn't happen. Maybe it's no one's fault. But it's unfortunate that it just kind of ends with this... Uh, Kind of like a like a dry fart, honestly, because uh, all they did was trade him for a relief pitcher, who could maybe be good, but there uh, there probably isn't a lot of upside. So they got Josh Taylor from him. Uh, for him, he's a reliever who pitched forty seven point two innings and struck out sixty batters. So he's almost he's striking out more than eleven batters per nine innings, but he's also walking more than four batters per nine innings. Except this actually happened in twenty twenty one. Josh Taylor did not pitch at all in twenty twenty two. He was completely injured for that year. So the Royals traded Mondesi for 
They, they traded one year of Mondesi for three years of an injured pitcher. A very injury-prone pitcher, rather. With questionable upside. So, it's almost like they kind of uh, recreated the Mondesi issue, but maybe less severely. And the other thing is that the Royals actually threw in another player. There's a player to be named later as part of the Mondesi trade, and that actually makes me way less enthusiastic about it. At first, I was honestly kind of excited because I thought, you know what? I don't really believe in the upside for Mondesi anymore. I don't really see him putting it together. And even if he does, right? Like, even, like, I've seen some people say, like, oh, Mondesi's going to, like, hit 30 home runs a season. I'm like, is he really? Like, like, is he, like, even if he's completely healthy, is he really going to do that? Um, but, you know, like, at best, we could trade him at the deadline. That, that That's, like, the, the upside Mazi has. He can be a decent enough player to be traded, um, in July. Um, but I think, like, even best possible case scenario, like, okay, Monacy finally hits his full potential. He's actually hitting, like, 280. He's stealing one, he's stealing two bases every game. He's hitting, like, 20 home runs. He has, like, 20 home runs in May. I still don't think the Royals are going to get a lot of value out of that because teams are going to look at him and say, hey, he's literally never played a full season of baseball with the very small exception being 2020. He's played 102 games. He, he, he's, played, he's played more than 75 games once in his career, which was 2019 when he played 102 games. Like, that's Mondesi's career. It's, it's sad. Like, it actually is depressing. And even if you go into his minor league days, it's not a whole lot better. He hasn't played more than 120 games since 2013. His very first season. 110 games in 2014. Uh, not counting the Fall League. Uh, 81 games in 2015. Across all levels of the minor leagues. Um, 152 games in 2016. And then 47 games in, in, at the Major League level. So still less than 100 Right there, 99 games in 2016. Um, 2017, 85 games in AAA, 25 at the major league level. Like, Montessi cannot stay healthy at all. He can't be, he, he literally cannot be trusted to play 120 games in a season. So even if he is playing every single day at the very start of the season, I think that teams are still going to be like, it's going to, something's going to give at some point because that has always happened. And, even then, even if you want to say, okay, teams aren't going to assume that. Well, it's still just half a season. And I don't think that that's going to bring in a lot for the Royals. So, and again, that, that's like, this is like super, super optimistically. I personally don't think that this is going to happen because Monsi has practically not even played in the last two years. He's played 50 games in the last two years total. Like, I just don't see him going into 2023 being, like, a, a productive full-time player. I think that the best-case scenario for Mondesi, optimistically, is that he'll be someone like Jerks and Profar. I think that's what Mondesi can become. And I kind of think that's, like, his ceiling going forward. Jerks and Profar is, a, like, a, is a solid player. You know, he's, he's, he's a solid player for the Padres. He's been around for a couple of years. I actually think he's still a free agent. I don't really know what's happened with him. But, um, yeah, he's been on the Padres for the last three years while they've been competitive. He's been a slightly above average hitter during that time and just kind of played wherever on the field. 
And Jerkson Profar used to be the number one prospect in baseball. Like he, he was expected to be a superstar, and he also had his career wrecked by injuries. Um, but now he's at least salvageable. He could be a two to three war player per season. So that's solid. You know, a, 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 comp- a competitive team like the Padres um, are willing to keep him around. Well, they were. Uh, again, I don't know if they signed him. I don't know if anyone signed him, but that's what I think Modesty can become. That's my optimistic projection for Modesty. He'll be jerks and Profar. And if he is, then the Royals can't really kick themselves too much for giving up on him a year early because that's not going to be worth much. I mean, if Michael A. Taylor is only bringing in a, in a couple of minor league relievers, what do you think a, a, a decent year of Modesty is going to bring in? So that's my take on that. So overall, pretty solid offseason for the Royals. I, again, I don't think that J.J. Piccolo went above and beyond because I don't love Jordan Lyles. I don't love Aroldis Chapman. Um, I don't love the Modesty trade, but I think they needed to happen. These, these are things that needed to happen. So... He met expectations, I guess. He followed the assignment. He did what he was told. And you know what? That's a very, very strange thing to say about the Royals because usually it's like, wow, we did nothing this offseason. <laughs> this sucks. And again, those management and personnel changes are uh, very, very big. So, yeah, I like that overall. So let's talk about something else. Uh, let's talk about, uh, actually, before we get into spring training, let's talk about the Raiders. Are you ready for the Raiders in Kansas? The, the Kansas City Raiders! What? What's the matter? Why are you guys giving me such disgusted looks? And why are you holding sharp objects? And why are you approaching me? Oh, <laughs> okay, okay, I, I get it. I, I might have uh, worded that a little bit poorly, but it's just... It's just kind of playing off of the mantra that the uh, the Royals are installing in their pitchers. Instilling? Installing? Whatever. Um, yeah, the Royals pitchers have a mantra this season. The uh, pitching coaches have made this whole brand of raiding the zone. They made them some... They, they have this slogan that they're passing around, and they're wearing these shirts that have this pretty sick graphic that says, Raid the zone on them. Pretty cool. Because that's just what the that's just what the philosophy is going to be this season. Throw pitches in the strike zone. I know that might not seem very uh, what's the word complicated, but last year the Royals had a uh, what is it three point seven walks per nine innings, and then only seven point six strikeouts per nine innings. What is with my plosives? Why are my pl- <laughs> But close is okay. Audacity's freaking out. Whatever. So, uh, yeah. The Royals don't throw a lot of strikes, is what I'm trying to say. Or at least they haven't. But now, so far, in spring training, after 27 innings, the Royals have 8 walks and 25 strikeouts. That means they're throwing fewer than 3 walks per 9 innings and getting more than eight strikeouts per nine innings. So, you know what? That's an improvement, and I'll take it. I'm happy with it. And you know what? (laughs) Like, I I, kind of posted this on Twitter, and I kind of stand by it. It's one of those things where I'll believe it when I see it, because 
you know, we've had expectations before. We've had things told to us before about strategy, what's going to happen, game plans, things like that. Last year, Cal Eldred told everyone, hey, our number one goal this year is throwing first pitch strikes. That's what we got to work on this year. That's the biggest issue we had in 2021. We're really going to crack down on that and fix it this year. Spoiler, they did not fix it last year. So, yeah, I can't be too optimistic about it because I've been burned before by that. But I will say, the Royals having some kind of philosophy when it comes to their pitching game means a lot. That is an unprecedented improvement because I genuinely do not know if we have ever had that before in our entire lives. Like, like you mean to tell me that we have pitching coaches that are actually telling pitchers what to do? Huh? Are you crazy? What, what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean for us? What's going to happen? Is, is everything okay? Are, are we, is the world about to, to explode? Answer is yes. But I don't know if the Royals pitchers have anything to do with that or if they even know about that. So I'm excited for it. And so far, like I said, the improvements are showing, at least in spring training. Again, this is why I had to say, like, stat lines don't matter too much because yesterday Brad Keller, or maybe it was the day before, Brad Keller threw one and two-thirds innings and he gave up two or three runs. And you can look at that and say, oh, okay, bad Brad Keller. There, There we go. He's bad Keller again, still this year. But he was on in the post game, and he's like, "Yeah, you know what? I've been throwing my 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 curveball a lot more. I've been throwing my slider a lot more. Uh, like he's like he's totally working with new stuff and trying out new stuff. And you know, admitting that he he made some mistakes, and that's good. Um, but it actually seems like there are things going on in the pitching development where pitchers are actually doing new things. There was another thing that I um uh, I'll shout out. And Rogers of MLB.com had interviewed Scott Barlow, and he said that he's going to be throwing his a, a two-seam fastball as opposed to a four-seam fastball uh, more often than not because his four-seam fastball wasn't very good. So he kind of worked around this by throwing the the slider and the changeup a lot more, or, or is it a curveball, whichever one. And it just makes me think, wow, if Scott Barlow has been one of the best relievers in the last two or three years with Cal Eldred, imagine how good he'll be with a real pitching coach. Wow. You know what? Suddenly I think, hey, the Royals are geniuses for holding on to Scott Barlow for so long. Because, again, if he's been this good already, how good is he going to be this year? Oh, I'm excited for Scott Barlow this year. Scott Barlow, he's my boy. He's my glorious long-haired boy. And uh, I hope I hope he makes an all-star appearance this year. That's what he really deserves. Scott Barlow for the All-Star Game. Get it trending. Hashtag Scott Barlow for the All-Star Game. Uh, that's not a very catchy hashtag, though. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this idea later on. Okay. So let's talk about, I guess, the rest of spring training. The first thing I have written down is Vinny is him. Vinny Pasquantino has a decent shot of being my favorite Royal in the long term. He's a guy that we have really high expectations for. And even if he doesn't meet them, he'll probably still be good. And even if he's not, he's good for a laugh. And sometimes that's what I need the most. Someone who's good for a laugh. 
In the first game of spring training, Mr. Pasquantino went two for two with a home run and a walk. So yes, he actually had three at-bats, or three plate appearances, rather. He was basically perfect for that game. He didn't play the second game. He did play the third game. Wasn't so great, but doesn't matter. Vinny P, he is the man. He is him, and I am super excited for what he's going to do this season. Next up, the Hunter Dozier Revenge Tour? Is it happening? Is Hunter Dozier going to be a good player this year? This is a subject that I have conflicting feelings on because I said this last year. I said, hey, Hunter Dozier's going to be a lot better in 2022 than he was in 2021. And for what it's worth, he was better in 2022 than he was in 2021. So I wasn't necessarily wrong, I guess. He put up negative 1.4 war as opposed to negative 2.5 war. He had a 91 OPS plus as opposed to an 83 OPS plus. But you know what? He's looking all right in spring training. Maybe you could say he's in the best shape of his life. And then third on my list of things to talk about from spring training. MJ Melendez is catching. Yeah. The Royals have MJ Melendez catching in spring training. I'm still not entirely sure what the plan is with him. I just, I just have no idea. I, I still feel like I, I, I've said this. I, I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but I'll say it again. Because New Year, new things to reiterate on. MJ's bat is great. I think that MJ can be like a legitimate leadoff hitter for the Royals. Or if not, he can be a power bat batting fourth or fifth or so. And if the Royals are to give him more plate appearances, he's going to need to play in the outfield. Because if he's going to be playing at catcher, he's going to be substituted a lot more to give him some rest. Such a demanding position. And even if he is catching, I still don't think that he has a particularly high ceiling as a defensive catcher. So, and even then, even then, even optimistically, let's say, okay, Vinny, let's say MJ is going to be a great catcher. I don't know why I said Vinny for a second. My mind immediately focused on Vinny written down on my piece of paper. I just love Vinny Pasquatino. What can I say? Anyway, even most optimistically, MJ's is, MJ is still not going to have an opportunity to catch because Salvador Perez is still here. Salvi's not going anywhere. I know last time I kind of ended off on a depressing note saying, oh, Salvi is kind of mad at the Royals, it seems. He seems, he seems to be fine. <laughs> he seems to be all smiles in spring training, so cool. But as long as Salvi is still playing, he's going to be catching. So MJ doesn't have a spot to catch on a lot of days. I don't know, dude. Maybe the Royals are still holding on to him, being a backup catcher. Still playing the infield, still playing the outfield when needed. I think it's very, I think it's very unorthodox. Like it's just very, very weird to have him do that. I don't know, but I just at least hope they have a a, a better plan in mind for him this season. I hope they had like a, a conversation about their expectations for him long term for the off season, telling him what to work on so that he doesn't go into twenty twenty three basically disoriented. Because he wasn't great in the outfield, I understand that, but he's also just now learning the outfield. Like, 
MJ Melendez was a catcher for his entire life. And then when he reaches the major leagues, they're like, hey, by the way, play the outfield. <laughs> Go run around a lot. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I hope that they have, a, they have a much more focused image of MJ Melendez for the future. That's what I want. I guess if they do that, then we'll see improvements. All right. Uh, who TF is Tyler Tolbert? This is a guy I've never heard of um, before a couple days ago, but he had a monster home run in game two of spring training, I think it was. And then he also had an incredible catch in center field. Tyler Tolbert, he's not someone who was, uh, he, he's not like a highly touted prospect of the Royals or anything, but he's shown off in, in spring training a little bit. And I don't think that there is a high chance of him making the opening day roster or anything, but still, it, it seems like there's a future for him in the major league club. Maybe not this year. Maybe he's a little too. I think I think he's only played in Double A or so. So he'll, if nothing else, he'll definitely start in uh, in Triple A, like optimistically. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's a, he actually hasn't played in Double A at all. Yeah, he played in High A last year. Now he is already. This this is going to be his age twenty five season, and this is just where you have to. You just kind of have to feel a little bit sorry for him because he was drafted in 2019, so he got a little bit of time in rookie ball, but then missed 2020. So he's missed a whole year of development, basically. Sorry. So, yeah, he should be at a higher level than he is, but even then, in 2022, he hit 224 with a 313 on base and a 340 slugging. He had a 653 OPS in AA, in, in high A last year. So not like he's uh not like he's ready for the major leagues right now, but maybe he's made some a little bit of improvements. Maybe it's just a hot start for spring training. I don't know. That could be possible, but who knows? If he hits the ground running, then we, then we will see him in September. He'll have to you know blow through Double A really really quickly after you know he'll he'll have to hit like three hundred with home runs in thirty forty games of Double A, and then do the same thing in Triple A, then get to the Royals this season, but. I don't know. Still, worth mentioning because he's been generating, generating a little bit of buzz. And then there are, um, there, there's Franmil Reyes, who I already talked about, but he's also uh, put on a good show in spring training. So like I said, good potential for this to be a sneaky, a sneakily great signing by the Royals. Basically picking him up for a minor league deal or, I mean, maybe it is a major league deal, but... I'm not entirely sure. I'm just kind of thinking of Michael Franco from a, from a few years ago. When we had him, he was like an arbitration guy. We only had him for a single year because, I don't know, he had, he had like a solid year in 2020, but not like a, an amazing year. And I think the Royals were were right to let him go after that. But still, he could be he could be someone to help the team win a couple of games, just like Michael Franco did in 2020. I like him. I like him so far. And a final note. Royals are winning the World Series, baby. What else can I say? The Royals are 3-0. They are undefeated. This is the best team ever constructed, and I will not hear anything differently. You know, after the second game, when we were up 2-0, I wasn't having it, because I'm like, you know what? <sighs> the 2022 Royals started 2-0, and look how that happened. Immediately after they went 2-0, the season just totally died. They, were, they, they, they lost 70-3, and nothing was ever the same again. But now that they're 3-0, well, that changes everything. 
So, I don't need any further convincing. I'll see you guys in November for the parade after the Royals have won the World Series. You know, the Chiefs just had an amazing parade a week or two ago. I think I'm ready for the Royals to do the exact same thing. So, yeah. When that happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. Until then, I'll uh, see you around. Uh, I gotta go because there's a very, very important Pokemon livestream uh, in two minutes. So, yeah. Uh, talk to you next time, whenever that will be. Either Friday or next Monday. We'll definitely get back to some kind of format because now Royals Baseball is back, baby. So we've actually got things to talk about frequently. So until then, thank you very much for making this a part of your day. And I hope you have a good one or you're having a good one if you're listening to this a little bit later. I'm Lux and go Royals. Oh, wait a minute. At Royal Deluxe Podcast. At Royal Deluxe Pod on Twitter. Royal Deluxe Podcast for the Gmail. There we go. Yeah, that was an outro. All right. Bye.